Hello, 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 and welcome back to No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only monk podcast that allows for absolutely zero funkin' while we're monkin' around. I am your host, Jake Christie, uh, a monk, super, lo- I don't want, almost lifelong fan. I've been a fan of monk for about two-thirds of the time I've been alive, and the conceit of this podcast, of course, is that I'm joined by Andre Barrera, who is watching monk for the first time. Andre, how are you? Jake, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing so good. I, uh, I'm a short-time fan of the show. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to find a way to, to get the conceit of this podcast out as quickly as possible. Still workshopping it. Now, just as a quick side note before we get to the episode, some people might say, wouldn't that be something you'd want to workshop out before you start saying it on the podcast? Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk about Mr. Monk Goes to the Asylum, an episode that I love. I love this episode. Um... I mean, I love a lot of the episodes. I'm not going to, you know, if you want a super critical reading of Monk, go somewhere else. But um, this episode is, I feel like, uh, the first of um, the mo- a certain type of Monk episode that is, like, very reminiscent of, like, a murder she wrote, where it's not about him getting called in to solve a case. He just happens to stumble into a place where there's a murder. Um, and, yeah, it's really exciting. What, what, what were your overall thoughts of this episode? Um, my, it's my favorite episode so far. Yes. Yeah, by far. Um, yeah, it's just really good. Uh, it's really hard to put into words just how much of a fan, I guess I'm like always really into stuff that takes place in an asylum. For yes. One. I love, like, I love asylum just, stuff. For, yeah. For whatever reason, um, even American horror story hooked me in with that. So that ought to tell you just how much I like asylums. Yeah. In that case, I really don't like asylums at all. Cause I don't even consider that. But, uh, so <laughs> this episode, you know, I, I think that. A lot of detective shows when they have episodes at asylums, or, like, shows that have episodes at asylums, they involve someone having to, like, go undercover there, or whatever. But the thing I think that's very interesting about this one, and this is me starting with the plot, is that he does something that some people might say warrants a 48-hour supervision. Um, That the episode begins with him entering a house that does not look familiar to us. However... Honestly, like, with the way that TV is, like, especially, like, cable television in 2002, if they would have just acted like that, it had always been his kitchen the whole time, I wouldn't have said anything, but he's on, he, uh, he's looking for something, he can't find it, he calls Sharona, and Sharona basically realizes, based on the way he's describing things, that he's not in the right house, and you learn to come to find out that he is in the house he used to have with him and Trudy when they were married. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, (laughs) sorry, I just watched it right now, so I'm still formulating thoughts, but at the same time, um, no, the first impression once I saw the episode was like, okay, this is weird looking. I I don't know if I can remember what his kitchen looks like Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, I think we've seen it once, but maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but also it just had this weird feeling that it was, he was not in the right place. Mm -hmm. And, um. And I started, I got myself caught in the moment because I saw him, like, touching everything with spatula. Like, the groceries, he was going through mm-hmm. groceries, and and he was touching with a spatula to avoid touching it. And I'm just like, is this going to be, like, a virus episode? Because mm-hmm. this is a little too prescient. Yes, I mean, that is uh, a good point. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's a virus episode. I don't think there is, but there might be. Because um, that is, that definitely is a classic mystery trope. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's actually like really sad um, in a way no, that like, yes. especially for Cold Open, that shows often aren't that like he, I think the thing too is that like when he's separating that stuff with the spatula and what have you, he's very clearly excited. And I think when you learn what's going on, that's really sad because he's excited because he, in his mind for a moment is still like has a living wife and is still living there. You know what I mean? And I think that that is, yeah. uh, I, I think it's just a really bold way to start an episode of uh, Crime Procedural. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I had written down that this is the first, I mean, I didn't have to write it down probably, but this is the first episode that didn't start with a murder. <laughs> yeah. And I think that this yeah. is, uh, yeah. Um, this whole episode, this whole episode makes me just want to hug Monk. Like, yeah. I, it's just, it's really it's really heartbreaking in a way yeah. even though like nothing terribly heartbreaking happens it just the guy he's such a great actor i can't get over yeah that. he really he really plays going insane but like not also at, at incredibly 
Um, so after the opening titles, we find ourselves with Monk being led by Sharona and Dr. Kroger into uh, this psychiatric facility where he would be observed for 48 hours. Um, and he seems... I think that's a bit weird, and I think it's kind of the character changes. He seems more okay with it than, like, the monk that I have in my head from later seasons would be. He's He kind of seems too okay with it, which I think is in part because they didn't have the character fully on and out. And I also think that Sharona's worried about him, and I think that they didn't want... There's really no tension there if they're both equally worried. So, like, I think he's... I I don't know. I, I couldn't really make sense of that. But that very quickly goes away. So, thankfully, like, that's not a big... Uh, issue with um it's not a big issue with the episode but i don't know i think it's uh i don't know what what, what did you, uh, when you when it, when it came back from the opening titles and they were leading me into the asylum did that feel like obviously you know the episode called mr Ronco's the asylum but like did that feel appropriate or did that feel like they're skipping a couple steps <laughs> no there's definitely there was some time compression going on yeah uh but i mean 45 minutes well show, no no you know? no i mean do does did it feel like that was the, a worthy response to him breaking into someone's house oh yeah absolutely i mean i think with his uh, ability to see that this was serious that, and it yeah. lends itself to what you just said about yes. like how he seemed pretty level-headed yeah. about it like if if he thought that that is a legit problem then i'll take his word for it yeah because I, I agree i think that that's a, i think it's very interesting i think that they find a good way to get him into an asylum but also not, like, fully committed, where it's, like, a 48-hour observation is, like, a pretty standard thing um, for people uh, with severe mental conditions. So he gets taken up by this uh, male nurse, whose name I forget, who's in it a lot. Oliver. 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 Um, he gets taken up to the main doctor, whose name is also on the top of my head, but I don't write down names. I wrote, write down all the scenes, but not the names. What's his name? Dr. Lancaster. Dr. Lancaster. I knew it was an L. Who, Dr. Lancaster. Who, who, who is, like... The GOAT, like, uh, TV actor. He's been yeah. in, like, eight episodes of Law & Order playing yeah. different people. Like, it's, yeah. he's one of those it's guys. It's truly a... And I think that he, in this episode, he's great. I think that he is... I think that Monk, Monk has a line at the end of the episode where he says, besides the trying to, like, kill him, besides the murdering yep. and stuff, he's the best doctor you ever had. And it's like, yeah, like, this guy's a really good doctor. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. And, like, he put it, he put it so well when... When he tells Monk that he doesn't want him to be a detective while he's there, mm-hmm. he, um, he mentions that they're like similar uh, because mm-hmm. you know they both detect stuff, but psychiatrists psychiatrists detect inward and cops detect outward. Mm-hmm. So I thought and, that was a really yeah. nice way. Of and I also it. think how he talks about how like his a lot of times his observation is like a um, I forget the word he uses, but it's like a deflection that like to avoid having real conversations or to avoid actually have to think about things. Yeah. He uses yeah. his like observations like that. And I think that um I don't know, I just love that simultaneously the character who, spoiler alert, ends up being the killer, is also like a really insightful like before before Dr. Enclaster realizes that Monk is onto him, he is actually trying to help him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great scene, and Monk does some great bits, you know, uh, figuring out that Dr. Lancaster was fishing in Argentina, um, yeah. some just great Sherlock Holmes stuff, but then he goes, Monk gets shown to his room, and- No, well, hold on, we're oh, skipping, we're oh, skipping, we're skipping- I skip what? Okay. What did I skip? Oh, and, right, I skipped a couple and, things. You know, because that whole scene, it's like an interesting duality throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing that's, after, like, the doctor says the thing about how they're similar, just as, like, Monk detected all of his stuff- uh, the doctor was able to like figure out why exactly he was at that house. Mm-hmm. It was because yes. it was a special date, June twenty third. I think it was something like that. It was I think June twelfth, but it was the day that uh, Monk and Trudy met. Um, yeah, and he was like cooking chicken cacciatore, and he mm-hmm. knew that Monk was Monk. allergic to tomatoes, so mm-hmm. like he was making the dish for her. Yeah. So like that was a really good. I think like, it's really good acting too because it's played very understatedly. Yes. It's like. You're making chicken catch story, and your little tomatoes. I presume that was her favorite. Like it's very, um, it's not played very dramatically. Like it's not like these are dramatic yeah. reveals. It's like this guy. You, you never get the impression that there's anything special this guy's doing. He's just kind of being the only person who's ever been able to do to monk, like do to monks' insides what monk does to other people's outsides. Like that. Yes. This is what monk, this is what other people feel like when monk calls things out about them. Absolutely, agreed. All right, so now we get to Monk's room. I just want to talk about the guest star, the big guest star of this episode, 
who I think is fucking hilarious in this episode. In an episode that's really yeah. sad in a lot of ways. But he meets his roommate, who's played by Kevin Nealon, who his psychological <laughs> condition is basically that he over-empathizes to the point where basically he will take on parts of the persona of whoever he's talking to. So Monk says, when he meets Monk, Monk says he's in there for a 48-hour um, uh, observation. And Kevin Nealon just says it too. And then Monk realizes that he has, like, weeks' worth of laundry. And then Monk says he's a detective. And then, without missing a beat, Kevin Neal and I, whose character I think is like John, was like, oh, you know, I used to be a detective. Sonoma, Sonoma PD, eight, nine years. <laughs> he just keeps... Yeah, he keeps parroting everybody. Um, but his name is John Worst. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, but he was... At first, I was like, okay, great, another cop. Like, we need more mm-hmm. cops associated with this. Um, but then, like, you find out that he basically... He's a construction worker. He was a doctor. He did all yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, he's incapable of... And then I think you find out that he's been there for, like, 11 years. Like, he's yeah. just incapable of uh, not taking on other people's personalities. And I think it's so funny how seamlessly it goes. Because it's not, like... Like, he never gets phased. And also because I think he's in an environment, obviously, where, like, he's in an asylum, so no one's really going to call him on it. So he just keeps, like... You know, I was a construction worker for uh, 13 years. But, um... Yeah, I just... I think right, right before I became a cop. Yes, yeah. it's so funny. But, um... So Kevin Nealon, who I'm just going to keep calling Kevin Nealon, John, takes a monk on a tour of the facility. And what dark secret do we learn that this facility is hiding? Uh, we found... We find out that about four years ago, uh, Dr. Gould was murdered in the medical supply room. Uh, so... So, of course, you know what this means. It means the one thing the doctor told him not to do, he's going to do. Yes. Because... But what's what's a key detail, though, about this homicide is that they think they know who did it. That it was a uh, junkie who was there who killed him and then was Lafran- found dead. LaFranchi? LaFranchi. Yeah. Yes. That's such a cop show, a cop, like a cop novel nickname. Uh, but yeah. LaFranchi killed him, allegedly, and then was found dead after shooting up a lot of drugs in the woods. Correct. So that's Monk's case. Um, additionally, during that scene, there's a joke I like a lot, which is when Kevin Young is showing a bunch of rooms, he points to one and he's like, and this is the monkey room. Uh, it's a funny story how it got its name. And then Monk says, what? And Kevin Young's like, I don't know. We just know it was a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That was really good. He, he was a great, a really And then great, we also, uh, we also learn, though, about the dreaded, the quiet room. Which comes in later. You know it's going to come in later. It's the classic one with padded walls, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, straight jackets, the whole nine. So I think that that's a, a fun scene. And then, um, you know, uh, Monk gets, end up getting uh, taken to his next, his first activity, which is uh, a painting class. And a as a moment now, there's not, yeah, group painting. There's still not a ton of um, murder mystery stuff yet. Uh, it's kind of just building up him being in therapy. And as you might predict, Monk is stuck, unable to paint one, uh, well, to, well, things like pastels, really, to draw one mark because he's afraid it won't be perfect. And, uh, right. And, and Monk has a moment of actual triumph when Dr. Lancaster asks him just to draw something. And he draws, like, a weird kind of arrow type thing with, like, a blue pastel. And he's genuinely happy. So once again, I really wish Dr. Lancaster wasn't a murderer, because he's a great doctor. <laughs> no, he was, yeah. No, he, I, I mean, I'm glad you were able to put words into what that was, because I couldn't tell you for the life of me what Monk drew. Sure. But, but like, yeah, so in that same scene, we, we meet Manny, who, mm-hmm. I, he doesn't look like Ma- any Manny I've ever no. seen. No. That was a note I had, that, that Manny is as white as possible. And you know what the actor who plays Manny's name is? I had to write it down, because it's so funny to me. His name, If I it's Manny, I'm going to laugh. No, no, his name is Ken Cheeseman. Like, Cheeseman? Cheeseman? Yes, Cheeseman. Man. Oh, boy. That's the as far away man. from Manny as you can get. I don't know, man. He, he Cheese man? Cheese man? Cheese That's Manny? True. I don't know. That's true. But what is Manny? What, what's Manny's deal? Why is he, uh, why is he in? Um, he's been in there for a while because he believes, well, he believes in Santa Claus and 
he just stays up every night waiting for him and and all he's obsessed with santa claus right did i miss anything no it's just that his whole thing is santa claus like that's kind of the the long and short of it um yeah, and he draws like so. In the, okay, so the whole purpose of that group painting was to. Did we talk about how it was a self-portrait specifically? Self-portrait. No, I didn't because I'm bad. At okay, this, but yeah. Yeah. So we did. So that was the whole purpose of it, and he draws Santa Claus. So the doctor asks him like, "Hey, aren't you supposed to draw a picture of yourself?" And he says, "Well, I am Santa Claus." Right. No, like this guy is just. That's not what he says. No. No, he points oh. to a little guy in the corner of the picture and says, "That's me." Uh, and it's like, why are you so small? Oh! It's like, everyone's small compared to Santa Claus. Wow, I missed that. I, you see, that's what happens. You try to fill in the blanks because you missed it. But um, No, I've been If you can see, like, my notes, I've been writing down so many notes, I tend to miss, like, little... Yeah, I, I, little at this point, like I mostly that. just try to write down everything that happens in the scenes and then jokes for me to say later. Um, or, like, little yeah. observations. Well, we can't tell but, how uh, we make the sausage. No, except the fact I mostly just did. But... Um, so then after that, we, uh, cut to Monk in bed at night, and, um, what was the, uh, one, the blonde woman's patient's name? Once again, I didn't write down names. Jane. Jane, who we meet earlier because she's yelling at Monk for complaining that he has charcoal on his fingers during the painting thing. She is going crazy and, you know, being restrained, and the nurses are saying, you know, gotta call Dr. Lancaster. She's going crazy. So that wakes Monk up. And then we cut to Manny's room, where Manny is taking photos he, he hears sleigh bells and he's taking photos out of his window and we go to commercial so at this point the cliffhanger is did he see santa i suppose um see this is something you lose in the amazon prime streaming experience because yeah. there are no commercials yeah just about having to sit with like well is this episode gonna veer into santa claus being real no um so uh we then go to the classic therapy, uh, the, the group therapy scene. Um, this time outside, though. Yes. I mean, it's it's a nice day. And uh, in one of the best, in my favorite bits in it is that uh, Kevin Nealon's John is sitting in the same position as the doctor, like with his legs crossed and like asking follow-up questions. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, it, he's, he was a delight this whole episode. Yeah, and um, I think I think the episode definitely needed the levity too. I think is a, a thing that you realize because it is a very heavy episode without it. Um, yes. But yeah, so watching the scene, um, so they're all talking about stuff, and then Monk is inter- interrupted during one of his sentences, or he interrupts himself to like comment on Jane's necklace because it's a necklace that his wife had or was similar. It to It looks that. similar to one Trudy had, yeah. Correct, but my whole thing, it's like. I'm just realizing, I don't know if you know about this whole thing, but Monk is a total wife guy. Uh, yes, Monk is absolutely a wife guy, and I'm really insulted that you think I wouldn't know what a wife guy is. Now, just for the context, for okay. most of our listeners who probably don't know what a wife guy is, a wife guy is a type of internet guy, internet poster, who his most of his identity is him, like, his whole brand is making himself look good by <laughs> talking about his wife in, like, positive ways, but, like, really, or, like, concerning ways. Um, like a very famous wife guy was the Cliff Wife guy. You remember the Cliff Wife guy? Um, no, I do not. It was the guy who tweeted, uh, you know, you think you know everything, you think you understand uh, stakes in life, and then you see your wife fall off a cliff, and your life flashes before your eyes. And then people found out that that guy's a vlogger, and there's a post on a vlog where you see her fall off said cliff, and I swear it is at the very most nine feet onto sand, and she's perfectly fine. And so he was saying that like his life flashed for his eyes because his wife fell off a cliff. So that's a classic wife guy. Um, yeah, wife Monk is very much a wife guy. Now, he is has a lot of mental problems, and his wife was tragically murdered in a car bomb uh, attack. So I think he has a more license to be a wife guy than this guy who saw his wife fall, I don't know, like uh, half a story. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's just... Yeah, if you didn't know that his wife died like that, like, if you just met him and he was talking about, like, my yeah. wife, you would just be like, this guy's a wife guy. Yeah, and the thing is, it, it, I think, but also a wife guy in a non-poster setting, like, where he's not posting things in the internet is a little bit different than a traditional wife guy. Like, because a, a wife guy on the internet is a bit different, because it's, like, a no-one-asked-for type thing. But anyway. Yeah, a, anyway. a wife, no, hold on, one last thing. Okay, a wife sure, guy sure. in real, I'll tell you from my office experience. A wife guy is the guy that every time you like invite him out for like happy hour, mm-hmm. he's got to be like, I, I, I got to talk to the wife. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'll get back to you. Like, that's yeah. the real life wife guy. Wife mm-hmm. guy. 
All right, moving on. So monk wife guy notices that uh, Jane's wearing a necklace that looks like Trudy's. Also in this meeting, Manny's got some big news. He has photographic yeah. evidence of Santa Claus. So that is, you know, and, and just, you know, obviously knowing what we know, that it's Dr. Lancaster who's uh, the bad guy and who is the one who's dressed up as Santa Claus. I think knowing, watching it this time, knowing that, um, I really do like how he, yeah, they don't overplay him like like there's no close-ups of him being like oh, what do i do it's like oh yeah manny i'm sure we all like to see those pictures you know what i mean like he very much um yeah even though i don't think that the they're not doing they're not they don't really i'm trying to trick you into thinking it's not dr lancaster who's doing bad stuff but it's not overplayed and i think that that's uh good it's not obvious like it wouldn't be obvious to monk you know what i mean yeah no and like what also helps like us as an audience digest that is the fact that the show doesn't start with a murder. They even it's just a conversation that happens like mm-hmm. 10 minutes into the episode. So like there's no sense of you don't get that sense. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so you're like totally fine with uh the way that this plays out. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels cheap even if it is compressed. It's just like he mm-hmm. he's he, he doesn't need to hide it until mm-hmm. Monk starts getting his antennas up. Exactly. So um there's a great scene where Monk's playing uh, cards, which is a very quick scene where uh, a guy who is listed in the IMDb credits just as schizophrenic man uh, puts down uh, a king and a jack and says, pair, and Monk says, it's not pair, it's a king and a jack, and then he just switches the places the cards around, and Monk just goes, oh, <laughs> which is like all kind of out of character for Monk, but it is still funny. <laughs> yeah, no, Monk has some self-awareness. Yeah, but they, so he ends up going, Monk ends up going up to Manny's room. Um, to see these pictures, and dun dun dun, Manny can't find his camera, which he's not as devastated as he probably should be because he just found evidence of the thing that he's been trying to prove to people's real for his whole life. So, right. But Monk asks him some questions, and Manny tells him that he was on the he was uh, near the chimney, and then he answered his cell phone, which. I don't know about your the Christmas lore your parents gave you, but as far as I knew, uh, Santa did not carry a cell phone, so pretty suspicious. Maybe it's not Saint Nick. Maybe he's always been ahead of the game. Maybe he created the first cell phone. Open your third eye. That is true. If anyone could do it, I mean, those elves, like, they're definitely working. Uh, uh, all right. I just did a self-edit of a joke Eddie was going to make. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Um, anyway... So, Monk uh, goes out onto the roof to the chimney, which a big immediate like red flag about this episode, which I saw like on the IMDb goofs, goofs section for like seventeen different scenes, is like in a sane asylum would not have windows that open. The whole like you you, you don't feel to escape. Like that's such an obvious. Wow. <laughs> yes, that is obvious. But I didn't even. It did, I didn't even. Yeah, about it didn't occur to me either. But like I'm reading, it's like duh. But anyway, so they go by the chimney and they see caught on like a metal like uh, rod like a metal whatever just like a wire by the chimney is a piece of red fabric so maybe there is evidence of saint nick after all uh-huh yeah uh yeah so obviously that gets monk thinking like somebody was on this roof so he kind of like also leads manny on by kind mm-hmm. of not even a, like yeah. just confirming his beliefs about santa claus mm-hmm. being real which i thought was kind of Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have done that, but whatever. Yeah. So the next, we're, we're moving to the next day now, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like the so last then scene. after that, uh, there's a great scene where Monk and in Manny's room finds a newspaper clipping with a crime scene photo for Doctor Gould's murder, and she decides to in the art room to recreate Doctor Gould's murder with Manny and John. Uh, <laughs> and um, I don't know. You you clearly like the scene. I want to talk a little bit about this. Well, uh, so <laughs> the funniest part about all this is the whole time Kevin Nealon is dressed exact, almost exactly like Monk. Yeah, right. So he's like parodying that whole thing. And so once, uh, once Monk starts assigning, you know, um, what's his name, Manny, to be the doc, Dr. Gould, mm-hmm. he assigns. Wait, who was Kevin Nealon supposed to be? John oh, LaFranchi. He's yeah, supposed Frank- to be LaFranchi. Yeah, he's yeah. the alleged murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then they perform the whole scene, and Monk, 
compares it with like the photo that he saw mm-hmm. and basically the what what led him on was that he found out that the that what's his name Manny had left the key inside of the cupboard that opens up the drug drawer yes. or the Which, drug of course, supply drawer. In, in this example it was the art uh, cabinet so cabinet yes yeah. So, as anybody would do, if they were, like, truly robbing something for drugs, like, you have no reason to keep those keys anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you would just drop them and you, leave them Either would leave them in the door, or you would keep them. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You would leave them in the door. And so, that's... Uh, that's and the crime scene photo shows that the keys are still in Dr. Gould's pocket. Yes. So... Exactly. No, no, they were, like, on top of his body. Right, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it's actually, I think if I remember correctly, it shows it like just outside of his pocket, which I think it's supposed to, it's kind of unclear what it's supposed to be. The way I took it to be was that it looks like you know, they were in his jacket pocket, but when he fell down, they fell out a little bit. It doesn't actually matter. Okay. But the whole point is that they were on his body in such a way that like no one would just unhook the key. I mean, like undo the and key. And then throw them on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Monk concludes that whoever, whoever opened that cabinet had a key of their own. Yes. And, Which, yeah. okay, yeah. right before yeah. we go there, um, so when they're recreating the murder, the orderly comes in, like, super suspicious looking and, like, kind of like a dick. And so um, it just kind of leads you to believe that there's something, like, obviously there was another murderer. That's the first indication mm-hmm. that you get, really, that it wasn't mm-hmm. the way that it played out. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then there's, you know... Uh... When the orderly asks what's going on, uh, Janie says very uh, annoyingly, they're killing Dr. Gould, which yeah. this actress who plays Janie is another, like, been on a million shows uh, for, uh-huh. like, the last 100 years, um, and she's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, that leads Monk to get called back to uh, Dr. Lancaster's office, and Dr. Lancaster now has his guard up more because he clearly realizes that Monk is playing detective and he's not very happy about it. Um and we'll, yeah. we'll tell, talk a little bit about what they talk about in this scene, um, <clears throat> that, like how it's different, and because there's a big moment at the end. But yeah, well, well essentially, what happens is um, first, like Lancaster comes in hot, like it's it's obvious, like his tone has shifted one hundred percent from Jump, and he starts um, he starts basically questioning like the stuff that Monk's seen, and mm-hmm. I, he had like a like a like a piece. No, that comes later. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, he's just starting to cast some doubt and some suspicion like into Monk himself. Like maybe he's overlooking things, or or he's just like having he's more sick than he lets mm-hmm. on. He's basically making him. He's gaslighting him. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? very much. Is so. that fair to say? Yo, that's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Um. No, but go on. Like, what what is the, the yeah. big scene that you're talking? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that happens at the end is that uh, ah, Janie b- yes barges in and you know accuses Monk of taking her necklace and Dr. Lancaster makes Monk empty his pockets and sure enough it's in one of his pockets and Monk yeah. so innocently not like suspicious at all just as like I don't remember taking it and in a moment that would make it very touching if Dr. Lancaster didn't obviously plant it on him he says very sweetly like of course I understand of course you don't like very like nicely like yeah I, like, I, yeah. And yeah that's why he's so good at gaslighting him because when Monk has problems he sets him. Doc Lancaster sets himself up as the person who can understand him, and who is willing yeah. to listen. And so, yeah, it's um. And then there's a scene that I think is a little on the nose. And if I were editing this episode, I cut out where it's Monk and Janie talking later. She's calmed down, and Janie talks about how. And I think I understand what the, what's here for, but he she talks about how. Monk needs to stop seeing that she too, when she first got here, started seeing Doc Lancaster as an enemy. And, like, when she first got here was around when Dr. Gould got killed, and she, in her mind, saw... She saw Dr. Gould... I mean, Dr. Lancaster run away after shooting him, even though she knew it was LaFranchi. And so her was her mind trying to, like, make her hate Dr. Lancaster, basically. Which, at this point, you know that Dr. Lancaster did it. I would have probably cut that scene out or made it a little less obvious that it's clearly, like, she convinced herself that. But, you know what I mean? It, I, I, think it's, I think it's a nice scene yeah. to have. I think having them have a scene together where they talk is nice. But um, Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the saddest bit of the whole episode is when Sharona comes to visit. And Monk has kind of fully lost it. Not fully lost it, but he's close. And Dr. Lancaster's talking. Yeah, to that Sharona. was that was the tipping. That yeah. was the tipping point yeah. where he actually believed the doctor. He was like, yeah, I, yeah. he had no answers for him. So. Yeah. Uh, and... 
And also, I just want to say, I think that this is something that makes this episode a lot more interesting to me than a lot of other shows that have the classic, like, doctor tries to convince someone they went crazy. Because, like, Monk, it's in his personality to... Like, he is not the type of character who would insist that he was not going crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Monk is kind of... He's not headstrong enough. He's not... Like, it makes sense for Monk to kind of be like... Monk, like, still kind of believes what he's saying, but... Whereas most characters in shows like this would be, like, entirely never convinced that there's anything wrong with them, Monk is like, you know what? He entertains the possibility, like, maybe this is all just in my head. Like, maybe I really am this sick. And I think that that's so much more compelling than just him being one-track-minded the whole time. Yeah. Um, so no, Sharon comes I, to visit. I yeah, agree. go. Yeah, Sharon goes to visit, and uh, Dr. Lancaster basically, like, he might need to stay here for a couple months. Um, and she's really, you know, worried about it, but... He's, like, diagnosing him with everything yeah. in the book. Schizophrenia, yes. bipolar, all that. Yes. Now, the thing is, Monk already has enough ailments. Um, you know, he's afraid of a lot of things, milk not uh, included. Um, wait, have we referenced the fact that he's afraid of milk yet? Has that, have we gotten there? I forget. I forget how uh, we No, we that. haven't. Well, he's we afraid haven't. of milk. But he hold is on. afraid of milk. Be- before, just... be- before we go on, sure. um, I just want to know one thing. At, when that scene all happened, when they found the necklace in the pocket, yeah, did you did you believe? Did you already know that somebody had planted it there? The first time that, I right? saw this episode, I was probably like nine, so I don't remember. Ah, um, I'm sorry. okay, yeah, um, yeah, I apologize. Uh, so I couldn't tell you, um, but yeah, I think that it's. Uh, I think I can tell you that, like, trying to take a step back. Like, what did you think? Did you know it was planted or? Oh, I knew it was planted one hundred percent. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think that they're trying to really convince you that Monk is crazy. I think that, I think that they are. They're they're actually less interested in trying to convince you that Monk might be crazy than they are actually just trying to convince Monk that he might be crazy. <laughs> I think that that it's much yes. more interesting for me to watch Monk try to battle with that. Um, but yeah, so when when Sharona uh, and Doctor Lancaster go up to Monk, you know he's. Uh, still kind of, you know, convinced he, he, that, like, Dr. Lancaster puts in his head, in Shona's head, like, you know, he's trying to find Santa or whatever. So they go up to Monk's room and, um, Monk can't find the piece of cloth that he saved uh, from Santa's, right. uh, jacket. And so he's, and that's when, like, Shona kind of is like, bullshit, like, uh, you know, maybe he, Monk is, you know, gone after all. Um, Monk doesn't do himself any favors by the way he describes no. like the the series of events. He very yeah. much makes it seem like he was on a search for Santa Claus. Exactly, and I think that there's I think part of that's probably trying to be coined from a Dr. Lancaster, and part of it's probably that he is that the 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 unfortunate um, side effect of being convinced that you're crazy is that it causes you to go crazy. Um, there's a woman that this syndrome is named after, who I can't remember the name of. But she was someone who uh, basically Richard Nixon got committed because he she knew about Watergate early on. I'll find that out uh, by the end of this episode. Anyway, so um, right. so Monk ends up basically like getting Sharona to uh, how exactly I forget exactly. I watched this last night. How exactly does he pass along the message to Sharona to do research into the murder? Okay, so. We'd have to go all the way to the beginning of the episode. They're like, uh, okay, when he's on the phone with Sharona and she's basically telling him that he's at the wrong place uh-huh. at the, the first scene of the episode, mm-hmm. she, uh, her son is decorating the room with like glow-in-the-dark paint. Ah, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so later on... No, 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 but how, she... does Monk get, how does Monk get Sharona to do the research in the first place? Oh. Um, what? Hold on, we're going to have to pause this. I don't remember. I think she might. I know she, go, she she goes to the university. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I think it's I think it's just that he mentions the killing, like he mentions it offhandedly. I actually don't think it matters that much. Now that I'm remembering it. Also, uh, it's Marcha, the Martha Mitchell effect is what it's called. Uh, when a the process by which a psychiatrist, psychologist, mental health clinician, or other medical professional labels a patient's accurate accurate perception of real events as delusional, resulting in misdiagnosis. Um, and it is often associated with people having actual mental breakdowns because uh, 
if I remember, because basically this woman knew, uh, had, uh, if I remember correctly, I only mostly know this because of the drunk history, that she, like, knew one of the Watergate burglars because, like, her husband was, like, the head of the Republican Party and knew that he worked for Nixon, and so he, like, she called a bunch of papers, and then when they tried to silence her, that she called papers and said, like, they're trying to silence me, and then basically they got her committed and yada, yada, yada. So, shouts to Richard Nixon. Anyway, um, so Sharona goes to the, uh, the university library in a scene that is, it's, it, she gets access to this library's files so easily, it's really, like, I mean, I get that, like, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin on this, um, I call it the USA effect. Yeah, I think that there's, the I think that there's also, I think a thing that TV shows do a lot is that, like, This is a is a deep cut reference for like not deep cut reference but a reference for like three people. But one of the reasons why in Doctor Who, Doctor Who has a sonic screwdriver and psychic paper, which the sonic oh screwdriver boy. can open anything. I'll let you go on any tangent you want about Twin Peaks whenever you want. Uh, take sonic okay. screwdriver that can open anything, or so- psychic paper, which basically will whatever you want it to show, the person will read it. Anyway, so like if you wanted to say like I am the President of the United States, it will say that. Anyway. The reason that he has those tools is basically because the writers wanted a way that if they needed the doctor to get through a door, he could always have a way to get through. And I think that certain TV shows, particularly USA Network type of shows, do that with female characters and like their sex appeal. Where like if there's it's like if they need something, it's like you know what, just have the character flirt with the guy and she'll get it. And like not saying that throwback appeal. What? It's like a throwback, you know? Yeah. Like, that's just, like, how every mystery has ever worked exactly. out. Exactly. And so, like, it's it's just... Anyway, so she basically gets this guy, Chad, who works at the library, to be convinced that this cool guy that he knows said that he was cool, yada, yada, yada. So she gets access to Dr. Gould's notes. We're spending way too much time on this, which is, like, a three-second exchange. His journals. His journals, exactly. His journals. And what she finds out in the journals is that Dr. Gould was going to be chosen to be the next head of the hospital... Instead of Dr. Lancaster. Uh, and Dr. Lancaster apparently is not very happy about it. So, uh, that's motive. That's kind of... I mean, the, the episode's basically over in terms of who did it. Yeah. But, we then cut to um, Sharona giving Dr. Lancaster a photo of Trudy for Monk. Because, you know, she says it'll make him happy. Uh, and so he, And then so we cut to him hanging it up, and then he goes to bed, and he turns off the lights. And... On that photo in uh, Glow in the Dark Ink, it says, You are not crazy. And then on the other side, it like fills me with the information. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I think. So, this... Monk sneaks off. Yes. Monk sneaks off to uh, Dr. Lancaster's office, and he has glow in the dark residue on his fingers. Yes, so that's what Dr. Funny. Lancaster realizes that something is afoot, as it were. Um, yes. And he... so, yeah. So. Monk is, like, rummaging in his office, and then he gets caught by Dr. Lancaster. But what Monk says to Dr. Lancaster, and this is that Dr. Lancaster really knows that he's he's fucked, because Monk points at he's looking at uh, LaFranchi's file, and apparently LaFranchi was afraid of needles, so there's no way he would have right. shut a up. Right, a bellophobic. A bellophobic, yes. Um, and that, I mean, honestly, a big, a huge unforced error for my guy, uh, Lancaster, like, there's a lot of patients that are most of them probably aren't afraid of needles. Really, really could have... Anyway, whatever. Um, and so he gets put, as you would expect, as the Chekhov's quiet room, obviously he ends up in the quiet room. There's no way this episode's mm-hmm. going to end any other way. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. They I, put him in the straitjacket, they throw him in the room, and so then we have... Um, the orderly come down and the doctor is telling him give him four cc's of some sort of some drug. drug and, and orderly yeah. like four cc's he can't weigh more than 100 river pounds which you know that's how you know some real serious stuff because and then of course dr lancaster's like did you graduate from medical school in the last 45 seconds but no listen to the doctor or whatever which is like fair you know yeah um but he's yeah. got to go back upstairs to get more and that gives monk time to escape from this straitjacket. Now, it might be unrealistic to you that Monk can escape from a straitjacket. Let me just tell you that I think that comes up with Monk is that he just has, like, weird skills like that that he kind of just accrued at some point. Like, so, for me, watching it back, it doesn't... 
I don't trip up on that fact, but I imagine you might have. But it really does make sense with Monk that he would just happen to know how to uh, get out of a straitjacket. Yeah, no, I'm suspending disbelief on all this stuff, but yeah. I just have to every once in a while throw in a little, how the hell did this happen? Also, it is the front-facing straitjacket, which is, I believe, the easier one to get out of. Um, or maybe the other way around. But anyway, you can get out of that straitjacket. I've seen someone do it, you know, on a television show before. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so he gets out of that straitjacket, and when the orderly comes back in to give him the, you know, dose, Bunk is basically... Uh, hiding on the other side of the door and he trips the orderly by using a straight hand and pulling it out from under his feet knocking him out which my note here no way that knocks him out like he didn't hit his head that hard right right now right. i don't mind that he like like he doesn't even need to get knocked out the problem of course is that they would just hear like banging like let me out but anyway yeah also poor guy like he was kind of acting like a dick a little bit but like he didn't deserve that but but he expressed some reservation about yeah, of course druggy monk so yeah he, didn't, he, he had didn't my sympathy that. there yeah yeah um and so monk ends up in manny's room and he's staking out the chimney waiting for santa claus and um santa's coming to town baby. yes and santa comes and manny's going crazy and he wants to you know say hi to him what what are you laughing about what, what, what's so funny about this <laughs> santa comes <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll be honest Sorry. with you, like, Andre, it wouldn't be that, I, I could record, re-record five episodes with another co-host if you want. I mean, if you, you can just tell me that. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so yes, Santa uh, comes, uh, and he is above the chimney, and he is ready to drop his load. No, okay, I gotta cut that out. No, and he is... <laughs> It's Santa. He's fishing. Yes, Santa is in front of the chimney. Which, right now, hold on a second. I just realized there was a scene earlier when he's in the doctor's office. He right, points right, out right. that. Yeah, that's so crazy. And he's I missing fishing right line now. on his fishing rod. Yes. So, Santa is fishing, and Manny wants to talk to him. But. Uh, What's he fishing for? Yeah, exactly. Jake? So, well, no, I was going to ask you. I feel like this is a good time as any. What happened? Like, what, what, what happened in this episode? What's the murder? What, what happened in this episode? Okay. I know you're testing me again, so let's I, go. I mean, it's a test, but it's also fun. Like, know that I actually don't care uh, whether you're okay. right or wrong. <laughs> well, as you explained earlier, um, the killer was Dr. Lancaster. He shot Dr. Gould because he was getting his, his promotion or whatever, mm -hmm. or the directorship, whatever. So he shot him three times in the chest. Um, and he frames LaFranchi because LaFranchi was a known drug addict. And obviously he didn't, he missed all that stuff. Um, and so he got rid, he, he needed to get rid of the gun after the fact, after he killed the thing. So he killed, he threw the gun into the chimney and so he thought he was safe. So over the years, they realized that the cops at some point, or no, they started doing construction at the hospital. Yep. And so they knew that at some point construction was going to reach that portion and they were going to find the gun as evidence. So he plotted and he had Manny move to that room mm -hmm. so that he could freely dress as Santa Claus to be able to go up there and fish for the gun through the chimney. Mm -hmm. Lucky for no him, he threw it in the chimney. Lucky for him, he threw it in a chimney, which literally plays exactly. into Manny's but, Santa and the thing Claus is, obsession. Because if, if Manny says, I saw Santa Claus outside, no one's going to believe him. So, exactly. Yeah, It's a great plan. So, I mean, yes. it's, it's really it's really marvelous stuff from this guy. Um, and yeah, the one hole with this whole thing is that like he says the gun, that Monk says the gun was registered to him, which is like, if the gun was registered to him, even if they couldn't find it, the police would be able to be like, okay, so Dr. Will got shot with a three fifty seven. Dr. Lancaster owned 357, but I don't know what gun records were like in 1997, so I, I, I'll... But, all, but, but also, um, this all happens, I think, in the month of, like, July or June or something? Or August, because yes, June mentions something about it being August. Mm -hmm. So why the hell is Santa Claus coming into people's chimneys in August? I mean, I think that the only person who would have to ponder that question would be Manny, and clearly Manny is not bothered by right when Santa but the, coming. yeah because when i originally thought about it like earlier in the episode i was just like okay i kind of think it's a doctor but like and i kind of think he's dressing like santa claus i kind of put that together myself yeah, that's a easy. little bit yeah right 
So I'm just like, does this guy just have to do it like every like Christmas like season or like how does that work? Mm-hmm. But obviously yeah. he's doing it year round. No, he's. I don't think he's doing it year round. I think he just started doing it like a couple a week ago. I think. Well, I guess we have to see the construction schedule. Well, no, to well, no, because remember they say he moved Manny into that room eleven days before the episode be- starts. Ah, so he yes, start, just okay. started doing it because I think that he Correct. realized that because the construction seems pretty new and that I think he pro- he has a small window of time probably between when he moved Manny and when the construction will get there. Now there's a great also great bit of Monk being confident and badass where uh, after explaining all this to him, you know, Doctor McCaster pl- holds up the gun which he fished out and is going to shoot him, and Monk is just like that gun's been in a chimney for five years, like it's definitely jammed or whatever. Which like it, Monk is right, and it almost he certainly says it's would be. oxidized. Yeah, it's oxidized, which it almost certainly would be. But also like I don't have the balls to say that. I don't care if a gun has been in the bottom of an ocean for a thousand years. I'm not telling someone who's pointing a gun at me that it's not going to fire. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, so, yeah, so then, uh, the cops show up because, um, uh, Monk got Sharona, you know, to, uh, call the cops. How did Monk, how did Monk contact Sharona again? Um, was it just, uh... Uh... I know he did. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't remember. Uh, probably should. Hmm. Shit, I should remember, but I don't remember. It was like a really short thing. Clearly. Yeah. Did he call her from Doctor Lancaster's office? No. I don't recall a scene like that. Yeah. No. No. Um. Anyway, in any event, the cops show up. They arrest Doctor Lancaster, and then uh, we get our end my favorite scene. my favorite line my favorite sure, line no. of the episode. Mm-hmm. Drop the gun, Santa. Yeah. Drop oh, the gun, God. Santa. So yeah. Yeah. Um. And so we get our ending where Monk is in bed and he's on the phone with Shrona and he's like, he wants to make sure that he's in the right house and uh, everything checks out. Um, and yeah, he's happy and he's healthy and he's not insane. And that's how the episode ends. Um, what are some stray notes you might have that we haven't gotten to? Um, I, hmm. I don't really have anything because... It's not really relevant, but at the time I had written that, of course, Kevin Nealon is a homicide detective for the city or for Sonoma County, which I don't, I can't imagine more than ten murders have occurred in five years over wine. I feel like I don't Sonoma know. County has a lot of serial killer murders in it, though. But maybe, and not just Ooh. as a zodiac, but like Golden State Killer and all that. Golden State yeah, Killer killed a lot be. of motherfuckers in Sonoma County. Yeah. Um, that yeah, is okay, never mind. So. I mean, but also, like, based on how bad the Sonoma County PD was at solving those murders, clearly they're not in practice. So, anyway. So maybe um, Kevin Nealon would have fit right in. Yeah, he absolutely. Um, so, he, so here's a couple of my notes. I have a couple. Uh, actually, I think I really only have one that I didn't get to, which is that you maybe not be able to, can, can't probably tell just based on me, but based on my dad and his brothers, Kevin Nealon looks like he could be my uncle so much. Like, if he was just he could he would fit in with a lineup of if you put my dad, his three brothers and his sister, and then Kevin Nealon would be like, yeah, those are six siblings. <laughs> um, so that's fun. I didn't realize I've that never, I was watching. I've this. never, I've never been more proud to be your friend. Thank you. That means a lot to me. So yeah, I think that um, I, I Monk has a lot of good guest stars on it, and I think that Kevin Nealon's the first of many. I wish Monk had more guest stars, and I was actually just thinking about how. Uh, if the show was on now, it definitely would have a lot more guest stars. And, I say, like, and you know me, I recognize like every, every, almost anyone who's ever been in anything. And so like, I'm not even talking about like big name guest stars. I'm talking about like Q-list SNL people. Like Kevin Nealon's probably like a D-list SNL guy. If, if you're on SNL for like two seasons, I would recognize you. So like, I wish they had some of those even. Um, but I, I think that they eventually get some more good people. And I think that some of the more standout things about the show are the guest performances, whether they played the murderer or not. Yeah, but I actually thought that like he... F- they bear very much put like a an emphasis on Manny towards the end. Like so, Kevin yeah. Nealon didn't really get much to do. Like Correct. that was my that was a little bit of a criticism for yeah. me. I think that that like, is fair. He's too big for the for the amount of. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I I think that that is a true thing about the episode with Kevin Nealon. I don't particularly mind it that much because I think that he's there in the first half of the episode where it's a lot less of an investigation and more just about Monk being sad and they, you know. It's the depressing reality of him being in a asylum. And getting a tour. Exactly. And a, a yeah, tour. that he, yeah. he's, that, while I think that Kevin Nealon is too big to not have anything to do in the end of the episode, 
I would say that the episode does not require anything of his character at the end. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think, he, I think he's great. Um, anyway, uh, we've come to the end of it. What would you give this episode out of 10? I gave it an eight and a half, eight point five. Yeah, I would. I'm going with a nine. I think that this episode uh, rules. Um, and once again, I'm just no guys. I'm gonna give a bunch of episodes eight, eights to tens. It's just I'm not. I don't agree. I, I, I just the way I am. Like rate inflation, I get why it happens. I am bad at being critical. Um, but yeah, see, I, I'm the opposite yeah. as you. I'm the opposite yeah, as you because I can still see the wrinkles, like yeah. that they're like. They're figuring things stuff out. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm more confident that they're going to be way better episodes coming uh, for forward. Sure. So yeah, yeah. that's I, my. That's I, my I understand, answer. and I believe me, I'm not going to criticize you for giving an eight point five. My whole thing is that I just generally like when I try to rate stuff, which is why I don't like rating stuff because it's just kind of like I just ask myself like, how do I feel about that? And the number I come up with is what I go with. Uh, so don't hold me to any of my. That's ratings. totally fine though. Yeah, totally. Don't fine. hold me to any of my ratings unless I like say something like really outlandish. Um, but I actually probably shouldn't even give you that wiggle room. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, share this show with your friends and your mom and your mom's friends who like the show Bunk. I keep emphasizing that older demographic because we are talking about a procedural show from 15, 16 years ago. So, you know, it might not be, if you're, you know, a millennial, it might not be in your wheelhouse. But uh, anyway, uh, you can follow us at Strictly Munkin on Twitter. Where can people follow you, Andre? At Andre Barrera. The spelling is in the episode description. Exactly. See, I, I'm glad I'm glad that you finally uh, got that because um, <laughs> you kept spelling it out. Yeah. And I'm like, it is literally... Yeah, I kept spelling it out. I'm just like, ugh. And so it is... Uh, yeah, it's in the description and it's in the, the poster of like the, the logo of the show. You can follow me at the J. Christie, also spelled in uh, the logo of the show. Um, and also, mo- mo- most importantly, in all that, join us later this week. Actually, no, next week. Sorry, because we're doing two week, two episodes a week now. Uh, join us next Tuesday as we talk about the sixth episode of the show, Monk, Mister Monk, and the Billionaire Mugger. Woo! Let's get monkey. Yeah.